live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Ranked uh, above 80. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the Press Box. On Are you there? Come on! With Grady and Bischoff. Ed, disconnect! Are you there? Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we hear you. Disconnect. On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you hear me saying hello when you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, we're not in the studio this morning. It's Ed, Tyler, Mateo running the show out here at Parkway Tavern in the district, sponsored by Finley Toyota. Danny's back in the studio. Big morning, World Cup, lots to talk about. Huge day in sports yesterday. Jesus, Danny's just betting on everything, too. Dude, poor Danny. Danny needs like 42 goals in the last two he games does. today to win a It's not going well bet. for him. By the way, this is, this is like the most packed sports week ever. Just last night. Yeah. I, well, you and LB basketball played at 10 p.m. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but, like, you have the World Cup on top of what is a normal great Thanksgiving week of sports. Yeah. I mean, we got football. Regular NBA and NHL. College yeah. basketball. There's a college basketball game starting at 9 a.m. or earlier Pacific time every day this week. College football obviously happens, as usual. The NFL plus the World Cup. You could just not – you could have not gone to sleep and watched sports 24 hours because, you, yeah. you know, you know, we played until about 2 a.m. last night. So I went to sleep. Oh, come on. That's okay. Did I'll break it down for you. Oh, yeah, I was fighting it. I was standing up at one point okay, so I wouldn't read fall what happened, so you must have been fighting it bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I read about it, and uh, you must have been fighting that bad watching that. We'll get to that. Here we go, Danny. The first bite. Can Derek Carr save his job? I'm wondering if it's already been decided. You think I'm, so, well, regardless of what happens? Well, I'm wondering if they've come to some kind of conclusion already. Probably not, though, because, okay, let's say – they go on a little winning streak here, and they you you know I've talked about this before, and they, you know for whatever reason they win six games and they're they mess up that draft pick that everyone thinks they should get, um, and and those quarterbacks are out of the question, or at least the ones that they would want, the good ones. So, aren't you then left with it's him or someone you could get as a free agent, and who's really out there right. that's better than the guy? So, yesterday with Adam Candy on the show, I sort of asked the question from Josh McDaniel's perspective about what's important the rest of the season, like what would be saving the season for McDaniels, because it's it's obvious that for the Raiders, for the 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 best thing for the franchise is to get the highest draft pick possible. Right. right? Finishing six and eleven is useless, right? You don't want to be picking seventh, you want to be picking third, right? They're probably not going to catch the Texans because the Texans might not win another game this season, but you want to be picking second or third. But if you're Josh McDaniels, I don't know if you really want to end the season as like a three-win team, right? I don't, I don't know if you want to end the season where uh, we lost like seven in a row to close it out. So, you know, I'm curious with McDaniels under the assumption that he's safe, right, that he's coming back. I think that's a good assumption. Because if you're McDaniels, you would like to have the number three pick in the draft. You would like to have the ability to say, we're going to draft one of the top quarterbacks in the draft and – potentially find our star on a rookie uh, contract but at the same time I don't think that you want to lose all those games so that was the McDaniel side the curious part to me though is the Derek Carr side you think it might already be decided 
Well, I put it this way. I think they've had discussions. I think they've had discussions internally about what to do here. If And they probably have done exactly what you just said, which is map out scenarios. If this happens, you know, if we lose seven straight and we've got three wins and there's quarterbacks out there, um, this is the way we should go. If we're at seven wins and we're looking at free agents and he's better than, you know, whatever's out there, then I could see them picking up his deal. Because – when you, you sort of look at the important people in the franchise, right? Obviously, you go owner, GM, head coach, and then quarterback's really next on that yeah. list. And yeah. the owner's not going anywhere. The head coach appears to not be going anywhere. GM's not going anywhere. Ziggler's not. So sort of the most important person that would lose his job after this season is the quarterback. And I don't know. It's fascinating to me because he might be playing for his job the rest of the year. And with, with them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Derek Carr is going to be a quarterback yeah, in the NFL somewhere. somewhere. If, if Derek Carr is – if the Raiders decide to move on from him, another NFL team is going to say, oh, we'll take him as absolutely. our starter. But he's absolutely playing for his job with the Raiders next year, which is curious because he hasn't been very good this year. The team's record is not very good. And I do wonder, like, if Carr gets this team – maybe it's not all Carr, but if Carr gets this team to 6-11 and 11 or 7-10 and 10, – and that would mean they end the season, right, like 4-4 four and four or something like that. Like they look like a competent NFL team to end the season. That's an interesting place to be if you're the Raiders because if you're 6-11, and 11, like how would the fan base feel if they go 6-11 and 11 this year? Obviously you'll have finished the year better than you started, but you're still only 6-11. and 11. I still think there'd be people out there who are upset they didn't get a high draft pick. So, uh, that, I mean, so that's the curious part to me. If the fan base looking at the Raiders, if they go 6-11 and – Will they want to bring Derek Carr back because they're picking seventh or eighth and might not be able to get one of the best quarterbacks in the draft? Will they look at it and say, oh, my God, they're going to run everything back from a team that went 6-11? Six six and 11. What are they doing? I'm, I'm fascinated to see if that's where the Raiders end up this year. What happens? Because obviously if they're 4-13, and 13, everybody's going to be right. – it's like you've got to change you something. You've got to change something. And, Someone has to go. And I feel pretty confident if they're 4-13, and 13, Carr's not going to be back right. next year. But six and eleven or seven and ten would be fascinating because it's still not a good season. It's still a failed season from what they expected, but it's not so bad that you have to make a change right. and you don't have a guaranteed. Well, that's the thing. Better who's, option. Who's coming in is a better option. Who's out there as a free agency? What do you think the trade market would be for him? So, okay, that's the other part that's fascinating to me because there's that three day window after the Super Bowl where the Raiders can basically cut Carr and his contract's not guaranteed after this season. We've talked about that all the time. But if you're the Raiders, I feel like you're better off no matter what, adding him, you know, keeping him on the roster, and then if you want to move on, trading him. Because I, there'd be something for him. I believe, you and I read the contract, he has a no trade. He does. He would have to waive it. He'd have yes. to waive his no He'd trade. He'd have to waive it. So maybe, so that's the other interesting detail. But, if, I mean, if it's between that and we're going to waive you, we're going to cut you, I guess, I guess it depends on where he's being traded to. Right. And th- that's the other key part there is with a no trade clause. Because I saw um, the beat writer for the Washington Commanders for the Athletic. He sort of proposed, hey, in the offseason, a first and a third round pick for Derek Carr. And if I'm the Raiders and I finish with four or five wins, uh, absolutely. Right. Right. We'll take your first round pick. But if I'm Derek Carr, am I waiving my no trade clause to go to Washington? Right. Because I feel like if I'm Carr, I'm putting myself in the exact same scenario I was just in. It's a pretty bad franchise. They don't actually win a whole lot. I guess they have a better defense than the Raiders. But now the Commanders would have to take on his contract. Right, they would. Yes, in that scenario. So, I it's 
it's really they, they've got a few different options of what they can do with Carr, right? Obviously, you can just bring him back. The other simple answer is just cut him in that three-day window or try to find a trade partner. But Derek Carr has a lot of say in what happens there because of his no-trade clause. So this is like it's a team that has a terrible record. They're not going to the playoffs. I guess I should throw out there. They could win out and get to 10-7 and seven and go to the playoffs. But should throw out there, yeah. It's not going to happen. Probably it's not. not. Gonna probably Got to win eight straight to end the season. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Maybe, That'd be a nice run. Maybe they could even lose one and get in the 9-8. Nice yeah. That might be possible, yeah. too. But the team's not going to the playoffs. The quarterback has not been good to start the season. Maybe he plays better at the end of the year. But that, that I think, is fascinating. When, when we all know the head coach is safe. The GM and is the safe. GM's, is the GM as safe as McDaniels? Oh, I think so. I think he. I think he believes in both of them. Like, is it is it ninety nine point nine percent and ninety nine point nine percent? They're yes. back, both of them. Yes. It's not like a little bit less no. for Ziggler. No. Okay, I think he's back. Because I would for if sure. like. Oh yeah, they're both back. If I was Mark Davis, even if I knew I was committed to Josh McDaniels, I think I would take a hard look at Dave Ziggler because we talked about it last week. What's the best move he made in the off season? Like, personnel wise, they missed on almost every. Like, the best thing they did was that three day window they can cut Derek Carr. Right. Like that's the best thing they did. So if like if I was Mark Davis and if I was like all right, I'm not firing McDaniel's because I'd have to pay him and I had to pay Gruden and all this, but I might fire the GM because wow they blew it this off season. I would consider it, but you think they both? No, be I safe. think there's no chance. So then it goes to the quarterback and it's not exactly fair to Derek Carr, but it's the scenario he's in. And I will say maybe it is fair to Carr simply because he's had nine he seasons. Nine seasons and he hasn't been great this year, as you right. said. So it. Saying it's unfair, not ideal. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think the Raiders are going to regret beating the Broncos? Uh, if they finish behind them and get a worse draft pick, yeah. So the Broncos don't own their own pick. Seattle owns it. Right. So Seattle would be picking ahead of the Raiders. But the Raiders beat them twice. And that potentially is going to be the difference in picking, I don't know, five or six, four or three, or maybe eight or nine, depending on well, how well these two teams do. Those can make differences yeah. depending on who you're at, who you're one. I do think one good thing for the Raiders in terms of these wins, if Seattle extends Geno Smith, they're probably not getting a quarterback. Right. right. I don't know if you're Seattle. Houston, Houston's going to draft one. If you're Seattle and you have like the third or fourth overall pick, you have to take a quarterback, right? Well, of those three kids, you probably do. And then at worst for the for the rookie, is he sitting behind Geno yeah. Smith? Like even if you like, oh, we love everything Geno did, and we got him a contract extension. He's, but there's Bryce I I, Young. Yeah, I don't think you can look at him and say, this is the answer. Next five years. Yeah. Right. Like, if, you, if you're if you drafting in the top three, especially you're drafting in the top three with, like, a free pick because it's not even their pick. It's Denver's pick, right? They'd have another first-round right. pick, their own, somewhere in the draft. I just – I think you'd have to. So maybe Seattle would still end up taking one if they finish out of the Raiders. Is there any chance the Raiders win three or four games, get one of those quarterbacks, and play him behind Derek Carr? And how would Derek Carr respond to that? Because at the end of the day, we both know, unless you're winning every game and, you know, all of a sudden you're like in first place, you're beating the Chiefs, and you're not going to change anything. But let's say it's a normal year where they're not doing that. How do you think Derek Carr would react to Bryce Young sitting behind him, knowing, of course, that eventually he will play? Oh, he he probably would have been replaced this year, right? If that scenario scenario had been this year, if the Raiders had taken a first-round quarterback, I know they traded for Devontae Adams, but if they had taken a a first-round quarterback. One of these three that are available, yeah. And they start two and seven, and Carr's not playing that well, they would have changed, right? Like, we would have seen the rookie quarterback. So, that'd be fun. 
Uh, I don't. If I'm the Raiders, I don't do that though. I don't bring back. If, if we finish as like a five or six win team, I don't think I'm bringing back Carr to and sitting mentor, the sitting the rookie behind to mentor him. a rookie. Yeah, if I get one of the top three quarterbacks, I think I'm just starting. Just with yeah, him. and just hey, let's hope you're better than Carr because again, the whole point of having the rookie quarterback is he's cheap. And right. the what is it going to be? Thirty million for Carr? Forty million for Carr At next least year? Thirty. You spend that 30. on other players. Like an offensive lineman? You think yeah. they had an offensive yeah. lineman yeah, in the offseason? Maybe. maybe. Free agent? <laughs> if this team doesn't add a significant offensive lineman in the offseason, I don't know what we're going to do next year. I just think I don't know if he's – should say this. I don't know if he's the starter who would embrace, just like Aaron Rodgers, right. not embrace someone behind him. I don't think he would and, either. Most starters don't, but most handle it different ways or at least publicly handle it different ways. Yeah. I think he'd be fine publicly, but... Oh, he'd be fine publicly. Yeah. He might wave that no-trade clause right away if they draft yeah. a rookie and say, hey, yeah. you're mentoring him. He'll be like, yeah. all right, I'll go to Washington right. now. I'll and go he'd, wherever He'd you be want. fine publicly. <laughs> all right, coming up next, UNLV basketball. Played a game that started at 10, 19 p.m. That's like three hours ago. Keyshawn comes down the right side. Keyshawn... Gets fouled and lays it in. Another tough three-point play. That's three of those for Keyshawn Gilbert. Parkway Tavern in the district. Thanks to Finley Toyota for setting us up out here. Come out and watch Mexico and Poland. They're getting started at 8 a.m. We'll be down here for the entirety of that game. Uh, But last night, Ed, UNLV in Southern Illinois tipped off at 10.19 p.m. Game ended at 12.17 a.m. Exciting times. No chance. Oh, man. So to um, avoid falling asleep, I drank an energy drink. Felt very much like Jared at one point. But also during the second half, I just stood up and was standing. So I wouldn't – because like sitting in a chair, I was like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. I'm I'm falling asleep sitting here. So I stood up uh, to make sure I could watch all of that. Uh, So UNLV beat Southern Illinois 56-49. I will say this if you didn't stay up for it. Basically the same game that we've seen UNLV play multiple times this season. Fall behind early, great defensively, second half comeback, offense overall struggles. Basically the same formula. They're down four at halftime, come back to win. The defense was phenomenal again. Uh, they were under 0.8 point per possession, which is a phenomenal number. UNLV's offense was under one point per possession, which is not very good. But it's basically the same story that we've seen multiple times this year. UNLV has yet to allow 70 points in a game this season. I mean, that's, that's the formula, right? And this is the type of team they're going to be. I don't know if it's going to change the entire season. I don't know if this is, you know, is it suddenly going to become, you know, this offensive team in the 70s, you know, mid-70s, and, you know, can they hit? What what if they hit eighty? What if they hit eighty at one point? <laughs> eighty to forty six. What a game. What a game that would Offensive be. Offensive game of the season. Uh they actually hit over thirty percent of their threes yesterday. Uh hit five of oh. them. Big day. Five three pointers for you and I thought in the high school gym the streak might end. Ah, oh, no, no, they were good. Keyshawn Gilbert hit one early. Oh, I should say this. That game, um, the first three possessions for Southern Illinois were three turnovers. The first three possessions for UNLV were three missed layups. 
That's how the game. And you started. didn't fall asleep. That's how, no, it was, that was riveting. <laughs> I was like, can they keep the streak up? It was great. Um, so let me ask you this: UNLV three straight games they've been behind at halftime. Three straight games they've gotten behind in the first half. Come back to win in the second half. They're great defensively. Yes. Is that sustainable in your eyes, where they can sort of play a bad half, be behind early, and then come back in the second half and sort of take over and win? Well, I think defensively is sustainable, right? I think that's going to be sustainable all year. Um, I guess it depends on who you're playing if you're down. Uh, I don't don't think they're going to be able to do that against the best Mountain West Conference teams uh, every night. Um, I really – and I know Southern Illinois, I don't know what the line was, maybe Minnesota on uh, tomorrow, right? Minnesota sucks. Do they? Is They're it tomorrow? Terrible. or Do they go back to back? It's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. It's tomorrow. And Minnesota's not good. It's, Southern Illinois is better than Minnesota. Okay, so <laughs> I want to see them play. And I mean, I, I'm serious. I'd like to see them really play someone good and see if this can be sustainable in terms of if they fall behind, they can rally in the set. Top 100 team on December 10th, Washington State. They, the, but the next time they play a top 50 team is December 31st against San Diego State. Right. So they don't really play a and they're good team. Good. Yeah, they look pretty good. Um, I will say this about UNLV. I felt that was the best offensive game of the season for UNLV, despite not being a very good offensive game. And the reasoning is that UNLV got to the rim nonstop in this game. Keyshawn Gilbert and Elijah Harkless got to the rim pretty much whenever they wanted. And it was the first time this season that they did not have trouble beating a defense off the dribble, right? That's been a massive problem for UNLV this year is on the offensive end in the half court, they have not had people that can get to the rim. In this game, they did. Like, they absolutely got to the rim. The problem was they couldn't finish. They missed so many. I mean, again, the first three possessions, they had a missed layup. They had three shots right at the rim and missed all three of them. They could not finish against Southern Illinois, who's not a good rim protection team. And... Well, was that a bad night, or they got kids who can't finish, and this is going to be, like you said, sustainable, and they're going to screw themselves up in a game because they just can't make layups. So that's, the I think, the fascinating part to me is before last night, I would have said their biggest problem is they can't get to the rim. But then last night they did. That was no issue. I mean, they, that was the easiest thing they could do was just dribble into the paint, and they were right at the rim. But I do think we're talking about a team that either, A, struggles to get to the rim, or when they do, can't finish still because – Elijah Harkless has never had good efficiency numbers. He's never been a great finisher at the rim. Keyshawn Gilbert, we didn't see a lot of it last year because he was a role player. Maybe he can do that. And outside of that, nobody else on this team is really, truly a scorer. So I I think that's going to be an issue. But if they get to the rim like they did last night against other teams, I think they'll be fine because they'll make enough layups that they'll win with their defense. Right. Like they'll still, even though they missed a lot, it's still going to be efficient enough with their defense that they'll win a lot of these games. So that, I think, is the interesting part for UNLV after this game. And then they play Minnesota, and I'm curious to see, can they continue that? Did can you they... watch it? No. Was Minnesota on? They were before no. UNLV, yeah. So here's... It was on? Oh, yeah, and it went into overtime. So UNLV's game started 20 minutes they later than it was supposed to. They OT with Cal Baptist? Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. They, they led Cal Baptist Ouch. by 15 with, like, eight minutes to go or something. And blew it See, and now that's, overtime. That happens to UNLV. I don't think they come back. If they blow a 15-point lead? No, or if Minnesota's up 15 ah, with eight minutes left. Yes, their know. offense is not good enough to overcome it's that big of a margin in that short of time. Right. They need, you know, hey, we're down by Four, eight and a half. Or, yeah, exactly. We need 20 minutes to make up 
six to eight points. Right. Exactly. They can do that. They've done that. Yeah, know, they did it against Dayton three times in a row. But yes, Minnesota's not uh, not very good. They should they should beat Minnesota tomorrow. And by the way, if they had lost last night, they'd be playing at ten, 10 o'clock. o'clock again. Or ten nineteen. Ten nineteen. What's with this? Is is it all on CBS Sports? Yeah, it's CBS Sports Network. It's a Thanksgiving feast week late night game. They get to put the, the game UNLV played last night finished after the last game in Maui. The Maui Invitational is going. That's in Hawaii. That's in Hawaii with the time difference. And this UNLV is playing later than the game in Hawaii. So you're telling me tomorrow night people have to make a, 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 a choice between the Maui final and UNLV. No, because the Maui finals. Well, no. The Maui final might start around. That one's usually early in the day Okay, for us. so yeah. the Maui final. It'll be like UNLV. the fifth place consolation game against UNLV is what okay. it'll be. The, the worst part is. There's going to be a basketball game between Southern Illinois and Cal Baptist that tips off at 10 p.m. Pacific time. <sighs> Who is watching that? <laughs> if UNLV had I lost, I think that thing's at J. Sarah High School. Yes, it is at a high school. Yeah, it's at J. Sarah. That's if, right. if UNLV had lost last night, they would have been playing Cal Baptist at back 10 to back PM. at 10 p.m. <laughs> That's that would be the worst scheduling in the history of UNLV basketball. 10 p.m. start against Cal Baptist in a high school gym. Jeez. <laughs> but they won, so they get to play yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, they won. 5-0. Oh. Instead. Good um, for them. All right. Did you see they got votes in the AP poll? Yeah, five, five, five. Uh, five votes. If Someone you, put if you them ex- like 25, five yeah, times. If you extended the poll all the way out, which they don't, uh, they would be ranked 39th in the country okay. right now. And as long as they keep winning, they will keep moving up, even oh, yes. if it's against Southern it Illinois. It doesn't matter as long yeah. as you win games. If your record is something an O. And the, the win over Dayton is what got them some recognition, right? right? If they you know, hadn't beaten Dayton and it was like Alabama A&M, they probably aren't getting any votes. But if they continue to win and it's like, hey, they beat Dayton. Oh, they'll keep getting votes. They're 6, 7, 8, 9, and 0. Yeah, they'll keep getting votes. They'll be there. The rest of the schedule, so it's Minnesota, then Life Pacific. So if they beat oh, Minnesota. Oh, the insurance company. They'll be up to 7, and 0. And then San Diego, uh, they go on the road. It's a tricky game. That's their first That's at real San Diego. road game. That's at USD. It's um, a tricky game. And San Diego is 150 in Ken Palm, so not good, but not atrocious. Horrible, right. right. And then Hawaii is 155 in Ken Palm. So, but that's here. Uh, that That's one of the neutral side games. Is that at MGM? I can't oh, remember. Oh, it is at MGM. That's, one that's of the, my bad. Yeah. It's at MGM. But it is here in Vegas. That that might be the Double Loan Center game out in, in Henderson. Okay. But, oh, they yeah. have one of those? Yeah, they've got one there, and I think one at, uh, Down the street. at MGM. So it's uh, – they they have a very good chance to I think be Washington up to sort State of, might be at MGM. Yes, I think that's right. They've got a very good chance to get up to about nine and zero. Okay. Or so. It again beat Minnesota and then San Diego, Hawaii. It could be eleven and zero. It could be. I mean they, to be honest, they probably should win all the games on their non conference schedule. Like Washington State and San Francisco are solid basketball teams, but right. they're not great. Like in all seriousness, they should probably be undefeated going into conference play at this point. Like, none of these other teams are actually good. None of the other teams on the schedule outside of Dayton are going to be in the NCAA tournament. No. Like, I guess, I don't well, know, could Hawaii win their conference yeah. or something? But none of the teams are going to be an at-large team right. in the NCAA tournament. So they very easily could, I shouldn't say easily, but they very well could be undefeated going into the conference play. And we look at it and say, well, they have one good win. <laughs> and that's about What it. will they be if they're undefeated Ken Palm? They can't get to top 50. It depends on how much they beat these teams by. Like they're 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 expected to beat Minnesota by four. If they beat Minnesota by twenty four, then it's different. They'll rock it up. If they okay. beat them by three, they'll stay right where they are. They're okay. projected to beat Hawaii by four. Same thing. Washington State's supposed to beat them by one. 
So Washington State supposedly. Yeah. So like you know, if they win all these games by like two or three points, they'll so be just kind of they're ninety three in Ken Palm. They'll rise a little bit, but if if they blow all these teams out, oh, they'll be in the top. It's hard to see them blowing people out. Yeah, they don't score enough. Like they they'll probably will blow somebody out because they'll have one game. Life Pacific, they, the they, insurance <laughs> company. Somebody who actually they're matters. gonna blow out the insurance company. <laughs> all right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. We are live from Parkway Tavern in the District, Mexico, taking on Poland here in about 30 minutes. Uh, so come on down, and you can watch some of the World Cup with us. All right, David, important question for you. It's two days before Thanksgiving. How's the dishwasher? Uh, well, I have some bad news and some good news. Uh, the good news is that uh, this is, I'm going to just refer to these guys by their names because like, I feel like we, you, you know who I'm talking about. We know them. So Gerbal, the previous uh, electrician, did regrettably inform me that he does not have the second type of insurance that the building requested that he show proof of after the first <laughs> proof of insurance. He doesn't have, he has blanket but not umbrella, which is all very cozy but not really very useful for me. So Gerbil is out. He apologizes. He thanked me for understanding, which means Norbert is on deck. I'm going to hopefully be meeting with him later today. So uh, Norbert, the other thing is that Norbert. my father-in-law is, is not. Norbert is uh, the, he's the backup Kind of, but a, a gritty, like kind of a Colt McCoy type backup electrician, from what I've heard. <laughs> I'm just going on what the lady that lives above me tells me, because she's like, "Yeah, he's in Based the system. Last you night, can just do it." Based on last night, the Colt McCoy electrician is not going to do a very good job for you. No, I mean, I would honestly at this point, I would settle for the Trace McSorley electrician. You know, the, the spunky <laughs> third stringer guy that throws a really obvious pick at the buzzer. Like, I just need somebody to plug this thing in for me. You know, I need them to put a socket in there and then plug the thing in, and then that's it. We're done. Is your father-in-law still coming over? No, he's sick. So uh, I I guess I dodged a bullet on that. I mean, I feel kind of bad for my wife, but there's a part of me that, I I mean, I don't have to explain anything now. Uh, And it was going to get kind of, you know, (laughs) this was supposed to be the day that he arrived, and I had this vision of him getting here as the electrician was leaving and being like, who is that guy? And I had to be like, no, don't worry about it. It's cool. It's, just a, it's my friend Norbert. It's Norbert. But then, there'd be a working, <laughs> but then there'd be a working dishwasher. So it's like, you know, you don't ask too many questions about uh, when did you start befriending people named Norbert, you know, in that scenario. <laughs> All right. Uh, how are you watching the World Cup? Uh, I'm not doing the sicko hours. Like, I have a coworker that set an alarm today and was, like, up for the first moments of Saudi Arabia, Argentina. Like, I am, I'm not going that hard. But I, I did watch the USA game yesterday, and I'm kind of like, I've never really watched soccer that hard, so I don't have a lot of the, um, like, just sort of, like, the muscles to know what is happening in a game. Like, I'm, I'm operating entirely off the high. And so yesterday it was like I was convinced the U.S. was going to win the World Cup for like 55 minutes, and then I was like, they're going to lose this game three to one. And I don't know. I, like, I looked in and like talked to the actual like soccer fan people that I work with, and they were like, yeah, you know, we were all kind of doing like the more normal version of that. So maybe I'm not totally at at sea, but I feel like this is not. No. You know, at this point, I've watched like a million hours of college basketball in my life, right? Like, so I know what's happening in the game. In a soccer game, it's just like. 
everyone just looks really tired and they're always falling down and like I can't really tell what's real and what's not. <laughs> so it's it's harder for me. Your How are you all watching? You're in a casino fine. right now? No, we're no. at a, we're at a bar. We're at a bar. Uh, near a oh, casino that's, because that's better. You're always you're always near a casino here. Yeah, you're never far from. Yeah, but but yeah no, no, we're at a bar. Technically, um, yeah, it happens here. Technically, we wa- we can see it. Yes, um, I yeah. uh, David, I I love do soccer. like the, uh, I, the morning drinking culture that the, the World Cup brings us. I'm glad that you guys are getting to be well, not a part of that, but near it. Ah, I mean, I did yesterday while the U.S. was playing. Come on, yeah normal it's like you get nobody could possibly say that it's weird to drink like three beers before 10 in the morning <laughs> or whatever well, when the situation well, calls for it i mean david here with time zone the first game of the day is on at 2 a.m and then 5 i know 8 and then 11 it's it's that's ridiculous. kind of so, yeah, perfect vegas stuff though because that's one of those things where it's like if you if that game is a little bit interesting to you, then you've completely just reordered your night. But like that was pretty much hours everyone was going to be awake anyway. Like seeing Luis like shared like a image of the alarm that he set this morning, and it was like I don't know. It was it was like being shown a footage of a shark attack to me. Like someone getting up at four, I know you guys do it every day, but getting up at four fifty a.m. and like making yourself a breakfast is like violence to me. I just that's not my lifestyle. <laughs> All right, here's here's some baseball questions for you. Where right. does Justin Verlander sign? I, you know, until I see otherwise, I feel like it'll be Houston, but they're kind of low-key pretty cheap. And I think that there's – so I've seen them attached to the Dodgers. Like, I think that – we talked about this a little bit last week. It's kind of like a weird situation for the rest of the sport that the team that has the most money and – like has shown, I think, of all the you know real competitors, the most willingness to spend. That like, there's like a hundred million dollars that just came off that payroll. Like, so I think it's it's sort of like, I mean, if the Dodgers want him, I feel like they could go get him. I feel like that's probably true with Degrom too, unless he really doesn't want to live on the West Coast or whatever. Like, they sort of had their pick. It's a question of, you know, like I don't think they're going to let themselves necessarily get outbid by another team. It's a question of if Verlander wants to, you know, try to wrap his career up with the Astros or if Aaron Judge doesn't want to leave New York. But, like, if the Dodgers want him that much, uh, like, I feel like they could go out and pretty much grab the two or three free agents they like the most. There was a clip of Aaron Judge arriving in San Francisco, said he was there for the family, and then kind of laughed and said, well, I've got something going on. Is there any chance he leaves for the Giants? Do you think there's a real chance that this guy is going to leave? I think if he left, I think it's that's the only place he'd wind up. And I think it would be the same sort of thing where I, mean, I don't think he's going to take less. I don't think that's, you know, you don't bet on yourself the way he did last offseason because you're trying to take a pillow contract or cut anybody a deal. Like, he wants the contract he thinks he deserves. I respect that. But I feel like it's the same situation where, like, back when people were talking about DeGrom going to the Braves, that if he wants to play near home, like, then it sort of doesn't matter what the Yankees do. I, I don't think that they can possibly let him go at this point. They're going to be annoying about it because they're the Yankees and because the Steinbrenner kids are somehow even more resentful about having to pay their players than George ever was. But, like, I don't think – I mean, the Giants have plenty of money. It's a very rich owner, and there's, you know, room under the cap and all that. It, I think it's just going to come down to if he wants it or not. I'm sure it's a nice place to play, but, like, I don't know how – it's very difficult for me to imagine him just deciding he doesn't want to be on the Yankees anymore. 
David Roth with us from Defector. Um, I don't believe we have talked to you about Kyrie Irving. Um, do you think that he <laughs> finishes this season with the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, they went through all this trouble. They, they created the uh, sort of like the PR tasks of Hercules for him to do where he had to like speak to three different Jewish people and uh, I don't know, watch a Biloxi Blues or something. I don't know what – they went to the trouble of clearing him and getting him back. So at this point, the thing with me and him, I mean, like, I kind of feel like I was on the, the Bomani side of things that they should have just acted very quickly and cut him if they were serious about it. Uh, we now know they're not serious about it. So I don't have a hard time imagining him finishing the season with the team. I think it's the issue, and you could already see this in the very first presser that he had, I think it was Yaron Weitzman from Fox Sports, like asked him to sort of like speak on the actual substance of what he had posted and the response, which was, you know, the stadium arena was surrounded by uh, black Hebrew Israelite people, you know, protesting on his behalf. And Kyrie still, like, he will eventually speak. I mean, this is how long it took. It took eight games of unpaid suspension before he would read the apology that his lawyer wrote for him you know so that's we know that now i don't think he means it and i think that it's a a matter of time before the thing that made him do that post in the first place flares back up and he does it again and i don't even know that that's i think like he probably is an anti-semite that's not really my problem i think the bigger problem for the best is that he can't stop posting and is kind of an idiot and will never feel contrite about anything that he does. So the problem there is just that, like, the second he gets a wild hair and, like, enters the Hebrew name of God into the Amazon Prime search box again, we could just have to do this all over again. <laughs> right, and that's I mean, to be fair, my... most people go their whole lives without searching for the Hebrew name of God in Amazon Prime. So maybe it's a while. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean it happens next week. It's just like he's the guy that did it once, which means he could do it any number of other times. All right, David, we got to let you go. We got to go to break here. Um, enjoy not having yep. a dishwasher. Watch some soccer and do it with <laughs> vibes. I'll be honest, your your vibe analysis was pretty accurate. I mean, it wasn't entirely wrong from what happened in that game. Yeah, I was. You know, as, if you don't actually know anything, then at least you should be able to like feel the feelings properly. So I feel like I'm halfway there. Like I did the easy part. Now I need to learn what an offside trap is. Oh, that's going to be fun for you, David Roth from the yeah, Factor. terrific. David, as so always, much thanks, David. To do. Thanks, guys. Have fun. See y'all. So nice. there is David Roth from Defector coming up next. All right. We got a very important UNLV football story to talk about because somehow, some way, they might still go to a bowl game. Rebels need a stop. It's third and seven. Hawaii from their own 30. Back to throw Shager. Looking, looking. He's pressured, and he fumbles the ball. The ball is fumble picked up by the Rebels, who pick it up and get it in there for a touchdown. The Rebels recover the fumble of Shager, and they get it. They pick it up and scoop it and get it in for a touchdown. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. We are live from Parkway Tavern in the district. Thanks to Finley Toyota. The Mexico-Poland game is getting started in about eight minutes. Come on by and watch the World Cup with us this morning as Mexico starts their run in the World Cup. You're a big fan. 
of Mexico. Yes. I would prefer they lose every game. I understand that. That would uh, that would be the best possible scenario here. <laughs> Uh, if they could just lose to Poland by about seven, that'd be a fun morning. Um, all right, I'll take UNLV seven football. They lost to Hawaii, and they. <laughs> yes, Danny. We know you yes, need Danny. ten goal. We you need seven goals in the last two games it's to win a good bet. For, good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> so, UNLV football. They lose to Hawaii, fall to uh, seven losses, which means they can't get to six and six, which normally means you can't be bowl eligible. Brett McMurphy wrote a story yesterday, though. And he still projects UNLV to go to a bowl game, the Myrtle Beach Bowl against Liberty. Because here's the situation. There are currently 73 teams that are bowl eligible. On the final week of the season, there are two games between five and six teams, which means we are guaranteed to have 75 bowl eligible teams. teams. There are 82 bowl spots. Right. So there are seven spots right now that do not have a team. Going into the final week of the season, though, there are 13 teams that have five wins. So if seven of those 13 teams win, then there will be a, enough six For 82 and six bowl games, teams. 82 bowl spots. But here's the interesting part that Brad McMurphy wrote. Of those 13, again, you got to get to – got seven of them got to win to get to six and six. Only four of those 13 are favored. Buffalo, UAB, Southern Miss, and Louisiana. Nine of those teams – are underdogs, Missouri, Georgia Tech, Florida Atlantic, Rice, Auburn, UTEP, Michigan State, Vanderbilt, and Miami. Those are all five and six teams that are underdogs going into the final day of the season. So UNLV right now, and this is an interesting point, the reason Brett McMurphy projects UNLV to go to a bowl game at five and seven is because the new rule that the NCAA put in, I shouldn't say new, it's about like five or six years old, but when there are not enough six and six teams, they go to five and seven teams. But the way they choose the five and seven teams is who has the best APR, the academic progress rate, which is a metric the NCA put in to sort of make sure your players are. So we're going down to history class are, now? are on track to graduate. English and history yes. class. And UNLV's APR is really good. They are, I see all the emails about it. They I have see all been, the emails like, about it. I've, I've made fun of it a little bit in the past because Desiree Reed francois and Tony Sanchez, like when they came in, Marvin Menzies too, like it was all like, ah, oh, we got to get our grades up right, our, and all that better, stuff. Better and like you said, we get 47 uh, press releases yes. a year yes. about their grades and stuff. But that might actually be the reason they go to a bowl game because there might so, not be enough 6-16s. Six and six teams. And I was going to say, if it's not APR – why would they? No offense out there, but why would they be picked against oh, a lot of these, a yeah. lot of these five win teams? Michigan State, Miami, Missouri, Desiree Reed, Francois, <laughs> Auburn. I mean, there's just you know, I mean, and, right. and what's happened in Missouri academics? Yeah, well, mean, come on. She just got there. She just got <laughs> That's there. True. She's got to get it. So the way uh, Brett McMurphy did this, he projected three teams would get in at five and seven. And so the three best teams he projected at 5-7 and seven by APR were Rice, UNLV, and then Auburn. So the way he – now, it could change. Obviously, more teams can get to six wins. There could be another team that's at 4-8 and eight that gets to 5 uh, – that's at 4-7 and seven that gets to 5-7 and seven with a better APR than UNLV. So it could change. But Brett McMurphy projects UNLV to go to a bowl game despite – not getting to six and wins. this is all on no offense to anyone out there keeping the academics but this is all on the honor system right so 
No, no, no. This you know, is you, you, you I can't remember. These to, or you, you, you submit these to the NCAA? It's, it's the players and are they on path to graduate. I don't know exactly how it breaks down, but basically, like, if you're a freshman, did you take enough credits to graduate in four years? Okay, so it's all documented. It, right, right. This is based on how okay. your students are actually doing in class. I, it, I don't think it matters if you get, like, an A or a C. It just matters if the players are If you get the class. units right. and you pass It's the not class. GPA. It's on pace to graduate right. is the situation right. there. So – Listen, Adam and I are guilty of it. Yesterday, we did doom and gloom, UNLV loss, bowl game, not a, not in the picture, season over. They could be going to a bowl game. And they would walk to it. Oh, if you are Marcus oh, Arroyo. Man, you'd be running to that bowl game. Do you have any idea which one he projected? Uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Oh, he'd walk to it. To play Liberty. Would walk That's a long to that. walk. It's a, it's long, a walk. long walk. He would do it. <laughs> Marcus would do it. He'd have to leave after the game against Nevada and start immediately yes. and start Not going. Not be there for practice. But there is a legitimate chance that UNLV still you think goes it's still legitimate? to a bowl game. Yeah. I mean, again, so, again, to run through the teams, if you're a UNLV fan, this is who you're cheering against. Buffalo, UAB, Southern Miss, Louisiana, Missouri, Georgia Tech, FAU, Rice, Auburn, UTEP, Michigan State, Bandy, and Miami. You want all those you teams to lose. You want all of them to lose this All week. of them to all lose. All of them to lose. And you've got a good shot at going to a bowl.